My name is Stephen, and I serve as the church planter in residence here at the Hallows Church. Let me just say a prayer over us as we transition into a time of worship through the word. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the fact that death was arrested, that our life began thousands of years ago, and that you had foreseen that day thousands of years before that. Lord, we are so thankful for the opportunity to come in Christ-centered community and worship your name and proclaim your love and your truth. Lord, I pray that you would have everything for us today. Your word, we would see it as sufficient. God, that you would be the author and the perfecter of our faith today. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, guys, I'm super honored to be here. It's always a pleasure to to get to open the word with you guys and, and lead us through scripture. So we've been in a sermon series called The Gospel of Luke, A Story for Sinners and Sufferers. And I, and I think that's such a great uh, title for the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke is the story of Jesus' life written by a guy named Luke. And Luke was um, a lawyer and he was a doctor. Um, and so he's very smart. He's a very heady guy. Um, but he had this connection with all people because he was a sinner and a sufferer, and he wrote so well to us as sinners and sufferers. And today we're going to look at a passage that's very short. It's only a few verses, about six of them, Um, but it it weirdly captures all of what the story of Luke and the, the way that Luke writes is all about. And it starts with a girl named Mary. And Mary um, was a a young girl between 12 and 16 years of age. We're not sure. The Bible doesn't record it. So we're taking some clues there based on the, the wonderful history that Luke puts in the book for us. And she's found herself pregnant and not married. Now, before you think that's a scandal, this pregnancy is like nothing that we have ever seen and nothing we will ever see again. This pregnancy was gifted by God. And it was, she was visited by an angel and told that she would become pregnant. And she was very confused by this as she had never been with a man. And the angel says, I got this. God's going to do a thing. And she responds with, let it be unto me as the Lord wills. It's such a powerful, powerful statement. And when she said that, the Lord saw that she believed, she believed in the words that the angel had given. And so he started a process that would bring some suffering into Mary's life. You see, even though she was carrying the son of God, she was not spared the suffering of scorn and disgrace of those around her. She was still an unwed, pregnant woman. And she bore the weight of that suffering. And so today we're going to see what the weight of that suffering drives her to. And it's a a really cool place. She she found herself in a place where she was incredibly overwhelmed. And I think, I'm going to make a jump in logic here. I think that you probably know what it's like to be overwhelmed. I know that I do. 
being overwhelmed, especially in what feels like the last almost two years, is kind of almost a daily occurrence, right? There's things going on all the time. So much we are bombarded with, with a 24-hour news cycle, with social media at our fingertips, with the internet just ever expanding almost as fast as the universe. It feels like there is so much. And so when I was thinking, I love to tell stories, so I was thinking of a story that, that kind of encaptured this overwhelmed feeling, and the, and the best one that I could remember happened just uh, a couple months after I got married to my beautiful wife, Jess, um, and we, uh, you know, I'm going to say this before I tell the story. I married into an incredible family. I could not have asked for a better father-in-law, mother-in-law, a sister-in-law, a brother-in-law, and then the extended family. They are incredible, and they are giving, and they are loving, and they are great, but they are a lot. <laughs> and I think you guys probably can, you know, maybe empathize a little bit with me. You know, like, we, like hopefully you love your partner's family. Hopefully you love your own family. But hopefully you love your partner's family as well. But sometimes they're just... A bit, you know? And so we find ourselves celebrating another marriage. Uh, her cousin was getting married, and so her family thought it would be an incredible idea to get one house in Ann Arbor, Michigan, with about 30 people. Now, this house was massive. Like, pool table, gym, indoor pool, not indoor pool, that's a lie. Outdoor pool, hot tub, like multiple stories. The place was awesome. It was great. But there's a lot of folks in that house. And to go one step further than that even, most of her family are engineers. Now, I'm an artist by trade. Uh, I love to just kind of go with the flow, figure it out, make decisions on the fly, let, you know, let my emotions and, and you know, my moods just guide me. many engineers. I know they have feelings. Being led by their feelings, not a big thing for engineers. Uh, being led by spreadsheet, big thing by engineers. So as we are coming together, there are multiple spreadsheets being passed around about what you, what we're going to do, who's coming to, to, the, to and from the airport, who has cars, who's going to sleep in what room, what meals we are going to have, and that's where this story begins. Mealtime is a very joyful time for me. I love it. I love food. In fact, when I pray for my food, it's mainly just my exuberance of actually having food. Like, I should be thanking God for other things, but I'm just super pumped about the food in front of me. And so I'm getting into this food and I'm digging it. I love mealtime. It's the best time. Mealtime with engineers is a little different. You had to have decided months before time, exactly what you would be hungry for at that time, how much of that you will be hungry for, and how that will be prepared. Now, because there are so many engineers in family, everyone thinks that they are right, and everyone thinks that you should do it their way, and here's the little artist boy, bearded, long-haired, new to the family, just trying to make everyone happy, and so I am being told a billion different things to do. Everyone's a boss. And here I am just running around trying, Grandma says this, Aunt Karen says this, nope, Mom says this, oh, back and forth and back and forth. And I felt so overwhelmed. I was like, I can't do this. 
They're robbing mealtime. They're robbing the joy of mealtime. All I want to do is eat. So, like a normal human, when I feel overwhelmed, I ran. Literally ran upstairs to my bedroom. Luckily, mine and Jess's bedroom was in the farthest corner of the house. Nobody could find me. No one could hear me. Nobody could sit, knew where I was. And so people start to ask, Jess, where's Stephen? She goes, oh, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe he had some work to do upstairs. I had no work to do. I just had to be away from people. It's a bit. When I feel overwhelmed, I ran. Now, I ran to just solitude, and I needed it probably at that point. But if we're really honest, when we get overwhelmed, we run. The question is, where are we running to? So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them. It's the Gospel of Luke. It's the story of Jesus written by Luke. It's in the New Testament of your Bible, about two-thirds of the way. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. The words will be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, you can pick one up on the back on your way out. We'd love for you all to have one. We're going to be in chapter 1, verse 39. It says this. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside of me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. Blessed is she who believed. I love that phrase. We're going to get to it, but I want to start at the very beginning, which, as Sound of Music taught us, is a very good place to start. In verse 39, we see a hurrying. We see a running. Mary, who is bearing the weight of suffering, suffering that was really a result of something that God was doing in her life and in the world, but suffering nonetheless. And so Mary, unlike me, runs to the correct place. She runs to get help. So if you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this down. When you're overwhelmed, get help. It seems so simple, right? I have the weight of the world on my shoulders. Let me run to... So often, running away and isolating ourselves. And it's the best thing the enemy can do to kill our souls and to shipwreck our faith. Because outside of community, we are an easy target. Outside of someone helping to carry the weight of sin and suffering, our backs will be bowed and will be eventually broken. It's just the way we were created. And so we see Mary doing a great thing here, running toward help that she needed. Taking that first step of saying, I know what is going on in my life is too big for me. So I'm going to find someone who understands it. In fact, God had foreseen her need for this in, uh, in the angel's proclamation to Mary that she would become pregnant with Jesus. The angel said, consider your cousin Elizabeth, who has child. 
Mary knew that there was a woman who was going through that she was going through as well. See, they were both pregnant. Now, one was 15, 16 years old, and one was 85 or 90 years old. Very different stages of life. Can we agree with that? Probably don't have, you know, a lot to talk about as, you know, what's going on in their lives. One is, you know, like just becoming, you know, a full-grown human, and one is like, you know, take me home now, Lord. I don't know. I'm not 85 or 90. I'm just thinking, okay. But both are bearing or have borne the weight of disgrace and suffering. You see, Elizabeth, we learn, was 85 or 90 years old and had never borne a child. Now, in the early first century, having a child was like the ultimate gift and mark of mother, of, of womanhood. And if you weren't able to have children, there was something that was wrong with you. Oftentimes, people thought God was judging you by closing your womb and making you barren. So when Elizabeth finds out that she is going to become pregnant, she praises God for taking away the disgrace and scorn of the people. Her disgrace has been taken. Her suffering has been alleviated. But she went through it. And now Mary, who is in the middle of suffering and disgrace and scorn, is running to someone who's been there. And I think that's so key for us. Life is hard. And there are things that we don't know how to get through. But luckily, God has created us to be in community with other believers who have been through it before. And they know how to guide. They know how to carry. They know how to greet us with joy and grace. But so often we try to carry that weight by ourselves. So we've got to get help when we are overwhelmed. The next verses bring us this into, kind of bring us into Elizabeth's view of the story. Now, Elizabeth, you have to, we have to imagine this. Mary knows that she is carrying the child of God. It's a really weird thing, I know. But she knows it because an angel told her. And because she had never been with a man. She knew that only God could have done this. No one else, other than Joseph, is privy to this information. So here's Elizabeth, who is pregnant, through normal means, though it is a gift from God. And she has her 16-year-old relative running to her. Let's just imagine ourselves in this situation. Now, obviously, if a 16-year-old girl was running to us, she is not pregnant with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We know that now. But what would our response have been if we were in Elizabeth's shoes? Would we have been a safe place for sinners and sufferers to come? Would we have been a place of refuge for someone who is weary? Oftentimes, our first response is not led by the Spirit like Elizabeth's. Can we be honest? When we see sin and suffering, very quickly our minds start to know what did they do to bring this on Because that's what the world tells us, is that sin and suffering is your fault. But grace says something different. You see, in verse 41, 
It says that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. This phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit, is going to continuously show up in the Gospel of Luke. It's a really cool thing. We saw it in 1 Samuel. The Spirit of the Lord would come upon people and allow them to do great things. This is no different. Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit and responds accordingly. We have a one-up on Elizabeth. We do not have to be situationally filled with the Spirit. If we have stepped over the line of faith and we have chosen to follow Jesus, we are continually indwelt with the Holy Spirit of the living God. Thus, we can respond and do great things. Small acts of mercy and grace that have great impact. And that's what we see Elizabeth do. Elizabeth doesn't say, how did you get pregnant? Elizabeth doesn't say, why are you running away? Why are you here? Elizabeth allows her soul to be filled by the Spirit of God, and she responds in grace. So we should also be led by the Spirit to lead with grace. Being led by the Spirit to lead with grace is is a tough thing. Because earthly, it's not really our first response. But man, how awesome is it? the Spirit is living inside of us and that we can now respond with grace. And even more so, she responds with joy. Now, it's really interesting. Elizabeth is not the first one to respond with joy in this situation. It's the baby inside of her, John. John is going to be called John the Baptizer as he grows up. He is going to be uh, the herald for the coming Messiah. He is going to proclaim that Christ is. People are going to come to him to be baptized and to hear this message. That's the guy that's currently in utero. And he starts proclaiming the goodness of the coming Messiah now. He doesn't wait. He responds with a leap of joy in his mother's stomach. How incredible is that? And that joy becomes infectious because Elizabeth knows that John is excited and joyful. Now she is excited and joyful. And we will see that her joy then spreads to Mary because Mary's response in the next couple of verses uh, we'll talk about next week is all praise and honor and joy directed towards God. Joy is infectious. Joy often follows grace. Think of a time in your life when you've needed grace and someone's given it to you. Feels good, right? The ultimate grace that has been in my life has been my wife. And every day that I get to walk through life with her, I am joyful because, man, it is such a manifestation of grace. I do not deserve the love that she has lavished on me. And what's great is that it's just love that she sees reflected through Christ. And so her joy reflects onto me, and hopefully my joy continues to infect the world. So then we get to verses 42 through 45, and they say, Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. 
How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see when the baby when sorry, for you see when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill what he has spoken to her. We get this idea of blessing. And blessing tough word. Let's be honest. What does blessing mean? Taken to an extreme, we see it often taught that blessing means good life, nice house, an easy road, that if we would just have enough faith, if we would just do the right things, that we would be blessed and life would be a little bit easier. But let's think, if Mary is blessed among women, what does her life look like? Because if, if, if she's like the crown of blessing, right? God has gifted her to be the mother of the living Messiah. What does Mary's life look like? She's an unwed mother, scorned by society. She has to travel while extremely pregnant on donkey back across rough terrain get to a town that doesn't have her. So she is forced to her newborn baby in trough. Then the king tries to come kill her baby, so she has to run away to Egypt for a couple years and be a sojourner. Then she comes back and sometime between uh, Jesus being about 12 years old and him starting his ministry when he was 30, her husband dies. He disappears from the story. We can only assume that he's not around. So Joseph now, so she's now a single mother, a widow. She follows her son around as he does his ministry. And we know that Jesus was homeless for, he, he has no place to rest his head. So she lives a transient lifestyle, depending on the goodness and grace of others to survive. And the crowning achievement for all this life of suffering is for her to stand at the base of a criminal's cross, to see her son naked and bleeding, crucified for a crime he did not commit, to forgive the sins of the world. This is the life that Mary is given. Blessed among all people. So if blessing is physical things, if blessing is an easy life, if blessing is an end to suffering on earth, then Mary was not blessed. But we know that she was. So what is blessing? What can we gather that blessing truly is? Blessing is hope, blessing is joy, blessing is love, is patience and kindness. Blessing is as much a fruit of the Spirit as it is a bestow, something bestowed upon by God. You see, when we believe, we are blessed. And when we believe, we get to be a little bit more like Jesus. Yes, blessing may come in the form of suffering and 
for us. Blessing may come in the form of come with God paving the road for things. Those things are blessing as well. But if we focus on that blessing, we will miss the blessing of joy right in front of us. How can we be joyful? Because we believe. We believe that the child that was inside of Mary was the living God who had come to take away the sin of the world. And Elizabeth shares in that joy Elizabeth shares in that belief. And then we see, as the story will play out, an amazing blessing. This joy that is, as a man named Paul, who would be an early church planter, he would write, a joy that is unspeakable. We don't have words to describe the joy of blessing. And it's a joy rooted in hope and in belief. Of, is that community helps carry our heavy circumstances. Because we were not built to carry the sin and suffering of this world. We were designed by God to live in a perfect place, a place called Eden, a garden that where every need of ours was met. Sin and death did not exist. And then sin crept in. And for thousands of years, we have borne the weight of sin and suffering that we were never designed to take. Now, the weight of sin is now carried by the cross. Christ's sacrifice for you and for me carries the weight of sin and takes the consequences for you and I. But the weight of suffering, that's put on you and me. And it's a weight we can't carry. In fact, when Jesus uh, invites people to come and forgive, he invites them into their suffering. He said, the world will hate you because they first hated me. And so as we are going through life, we understand that to follow Jesus is to live a life that will have suffering. So how do we bear it? Well, we do it together. You guys ever tried to carry something that was just too heavy? Like you're moving and you got a couch and you're just kind of trying to hulk it up by yourself, right? It's impossible. It just is. But we bring a friend around and they help carry it. It's an easy analogy, right? It makes sense. Physical things are heavy, so we get friends to help us move them. Circumstances are heavy. So we decide to carry them ourselves? How, how does that work? How does it make sense? It's only through community that we as a church, a living, breathing representation of who Christ is can carry the suffering in this world. And that's incredible. That Christ saw to the, Christ, sorry, Christ saw well before time began that we would need help carrying our sin, so he bore it on himself. And then that we would bear the weight of suffering, so he brought others around so that we can carry it together. But not all community is created equal. 
our world has started to catch on that we need other people. That's why we have book clubs. That's why we have CrossFit. That's why we have uh, yoga. That's why we have Mom's Days Out. That's why we have all of these things. And all of those things in and of themselves are great, but they are insufficient. They're insufficient for our souls. Not all community is the same. Because yes, we can get together in our CrossFit group and we can push each other to the limits of our physical beings. But what about our soul? We can get together and we can read a book and we can really dig into the beauty that God has made through literature. But if that community is not Christ-centered, if it does not bring us to grace, push us to worship, and then push us out to share joy with the world, it's not going to be sufficient. See, Christ-centered community is something that is unique to the body of believers. There's something that happens when we gather together that is unexplainable. We are able to bury or to, to carry the weight and the burdens of each other. We're able to pray with each other. We're able to teach each other, direct each other to Scripture. Sometimes we're just there to listen. But it will always bring us to grace, push us to worship, and then bring us out to spread that joy to the world. That's the difference between Christ-centered community and regular community. We have a joy that no one else has. And so we have to seek it out. We have to do that. See, this year was one of the hardest years of my entire life. Not only did I move in the middle of a pandemic to to begin starting a church. If you guys have been watching online, I I spoke a couple months ago uh, about the joy of getting pregnant. After years of trying, my wife and I were able to, to conceive a child. And shortly after we found out, we lost that child. And so the joy was easy to share. When we found out, we, the, first time we did, the first thing we did was we FaceTimed my brother and sister-in-law. They had been on an infertility journey as well, eight years. They had just become pregnant. They, they were ready to have their son in a couple months. And so we FaceTimed them and we said, guess what? Joy. And then a couple weeks later, we had to send a text message. They did what I said the community does. They got off work and they flew here to take care of us. They pushed us toward Christ. They drew us into grace, drew us into worship. And then I stood on the stage at West Seattle that Sunday and I shared the joy that God had given me through the word. Because that's what gospel community does. But it, it wasn't just a three-day thing. You see, grief lasted much longer. So at this point, it was just mainly the staff who knew. And so the gospel community continued. This Christ-centered community continued to take care of me and my wife by bringing us meals, by hugging us, by letting us cry, by giving us advice. And we were able to share the, the weight of grief until we could bear it ourselves. 
And this, this is something that I cannot express my gratitude enough for. While you as a church family may not have known your prayers and support and faithfulness to serve in those times continued to allow us to be taken care of. That's what gospel community does. Now, one of the biggest sources of gospel community I have in my life is my dominance in fantasy football. I am an incredible fantasy football player. I have been in the same fantasy football league, I'm in like a million of them, but, but this one league for almost 10 years. And I have dominated those guys over and over and over. It's really surprising that they keep playing. I'm a two-time champion, it's great. I actually think I have the worst winning percentage for someone that's been in the league for five years or more. But that's, that's beside the point. But we come together around fantasy football, these guys. We have a group meme that we love to use. Yesterday, watching Michigan seal a game was fantastic. Watching Baylor knock off University of Oklahoma was fantastic. Us texting, it was great. But there's something that all these guys share in common, and that's a love for each other and a love for Christ. And while it doesn't replace a, a weekly missional community or a weekly worship gathering. It's a place that I can go that I know I am taken care of. I am pushed toward worship. I am brought into grace. I am then forced out to share joy because of these guys. This year, three of us have lost children. One marriage is struggling. Other guys are lost and wandering. A couple years ago, we were able to help and pray through a guy launching a church, Gateway City Church in El Paso, Texas. In a couple months, these guys will pray and help me plant a church here somewhere in the Seattle area. This is what gospel community does. It, it multiplies effort. It carries burdens. It brings us into grace. It pushes us to worship. And it sends us out to share joy to the rest of the world. And this is just a group meeting. Imagine what it would be like to be in community with each other day in and day out. So I want to encourage you guys, when you are overwhelmed, run toward Christ-centered community because they will respond with grace being led by the Spirit. They will have joy that will push you out to share joy with the rest of the world. And they will help you to believe that the hope that is within us is eternal and will not fail. And that hope is remembered when we come to the table. If you have your elements, I'd love for you to grab them. Should have opened this baggie before. <laughs> but this, this hope that we have, this belief that we share, is represented by this grain and by this fruit juice. We remember Jesus, who at this point in our story is just a baby, but we know that eventually he who knew no sin would become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. He would go to the cross sinless and take the curse of sin and suffering on himself 
so that we could live with him eternally. And each time we come to the table, this is what we remember. This, this is why we live in Christ-centered community. Because he first loved us. So on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it saying, this is my body broken for you. Then later in the meal, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you. Whenever we eat this bread, we declare the resurrection of Jesus and that he is coming again. He is coming to rescue us from the weight of sin and suffering forever. There will be no tears. There will be no shame, no disgrace for sin or for suffering. But until that day comes, let us lean in and not run from gospel community. Let us build our lives on Christ, the cornerstone, so that we all have the same starting place to respond with grace, to be pushed to worship, to be sent out with joy. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this Christ-centered community. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would seek out a Christ-centered community in everything that we do. Lord, that you would allow us to, when we feel overwhelmed, run to help, and help that is centered on you. Lord, that we would have joy, unspeakable, infectious joy that would push us to others so that we can tell them about the hope that we have in you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to bear the weight of sin and suffering of our brothers and our sisters, that we would be a safe place for them to come, that we would respond with grace, we push people to worship, and send them out with joy. Lord, let me be that person. Let me be the person that sinners and sufferers come to to know you. For those that are far from you, Lord, we pray that you would guide us to show them who you are. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name.